really want to go over what I've already shared. And I've decided I'm going to just take my time in teaching um, the different aspects of walking in the blessings of God. So I'm not going to rush it. I'm going to take my time. And each time I minister within the grace of God here in Greenwich and also in Croydon, I'm just going to keep building and building on it as we go through the year. Uh, so I, I, I want you to be patient as well. Amen. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. So what does it mean to be planted in God's house? We've already talked about different aspects of why it is important to be planted. But what does it actually mean? Okay, so being planted in God's house involves dwelling in his presence like we touched on two weeks ago. But also involves being part of a local church, being part or being established in a local church. For, so 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, the scripture says, Paul says to Timothy, But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So Paul says, the house of God is the church of God, and the church of God is the pillar and ground of the truth. And we talked about the fact that we have what we call the universal church, which is everyone within the body of Christ, those in heaven and those on earth. And then we have a local church. It's not necessarily a church near you. It's really a church that is a, um, a community of people that we can identify with, a local church. And so when Paul was talking to Timothy, he was talking to him within the context of how you behave in the local church setting, the community of people that you are a part of. To be planted in God's house is really to be established in such a way that we grow and bear fruit because of the fact that we are planted in this house. In other words, being planted in God's house is not simply taking up membership of a church. It's not simply attending a church service. But it's being so established that we bear the kind of fruit that Christ is looking for in our lives. So let's go back to the psalm. We looked at Psalm 92 from verses 12 to 15. And he says this. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. They shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright he is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Now these verses really have so many layers to them, but I want to touch on a few things again. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. So like it's a promise. The righteous flourish like a palm tree. Now if you know anything about palm trees, and I know very little, the older they get, the better the fruit becomes. And palm trees are very useful trees. They, are, they, are, they can be used for so many different things. It says the righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. In other words, they, they will be as fruitful and as useful and as adaptable as the palm tree. 
He says that he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Now, cedars in Lebanon are very tall. But the taller a tree is, the, the deeper its roots have to be. And so the implication is that the righteous not only grow strong and tall, but they are deep and they are established and they are not easily uprooted. He says, and so then he, he makes this statement and then points out that it's an analogy to, it shows you how the righteous flourish like the palm tree rather and how the righteous grow like a cedar in Lebanon. This is how. Because they are planted in the house of the Lord and they flourish in the courts of our God. They, they are planted, so they are established. They have roots that go deep in the house of God. And then he says they flourish in the courts of our God. What does that speak of? Well, courts speak of an audience. So really, the righteous are planted and they are established and they have roots in God's house. And... They also have a dynamic relationship with God whereby they have audience with him. They're planted in his house and they flourish in his courts. It's like an audience with a king. You come into the king's court and then you discourse. So as righteous men and women who are planted in God's house, the effect is that you begin to grow in your relationship with God and you begin to grow in how you have audience with him. So one of the things that we have to be very careful of is that we don't think of if I just go to church and everything is okay. The purpose of church is to cause us to develop a healthy, dynamic relationship with God whereby we have his audience. You grow in his courts. You are one that grows in the audience of the king. So he talks to you about things that are important. And as time goes by more and more, your counsel before God is important. I want to be like Elijah who could say, as the Lord God lives before whom I stand, there shall not be rain these three years except by my say-so. You cannot make such a declaration unless you have some powerful connection. When you've just said, as God lives, hey, what a statement, before whom I stand. In other words, based on my relationship with him, there's not going to be rain. May you come to that place in Jesus' name. But the secret has to do with how you are planted in the house of the Lord. Look at what he says. They shall still bear fruit in old age. Society says, as you get old, you have to retire. But in the kingdom of God, as you get old, you get better. As you get old, you get stronger. As your body gets weaker, your spirit gets stronger. Like Paul said, though the outward man is perishing, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. May that be your portion in Jesus' name. They shall still bear fruit in old age. After being in church for 10 years, your fruit should be better than five years ago. After being in church for 20 years, your fruit should be much better. After being in church for 30 years, come on, you should be abundant fruit lifestyle. But you know what I discover? Some people, the longer they're in church, the less effective they become. That is not your portion in Jesus' name. Say to your neighbor, that is not your portion. He says they shall be fresh and flourishing. I like that. Fresh 
and flourishing. Not only fresh, but they are flourishing. Flourishing. The Ghanaians say flourishing. They are flourishing. What that speaks of is this. They are bearing multiple kinds of fruit. Multiple kinds of fruit. They, and, and the fruit is sweeter and sweeter. What is the secret? They are planted in God's house. And they are established in the courts of the Lord. In other words, they know how to connect with God. They know how to hear from God. They know how to discern the mind of God. And they know how to represent God. That's what is involved in being in his courts. You see people who are used to coming in the audience of royalty, they behave a certain way. They know how to talk. They're not intimidated by what they see or what other people, because they have a wisdom that is superior to those of us who just hang around with whoever. And then look at the purpose, to declare that the Lord is upright. You see, the purpose of our being planted and our being blessed is in order for us to reveal what God is like, to reveal what God is truly like, to declare that the Lord is upright and to be able to have a testimony, a personal testimony. He says he is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. The more you get to know what God is like, the more you realize how dependable he is. The more you get to know what God is like, the more you realize there is absolutely no unrighteousness in God. Now, at times, the ways of God can appear contradictory. At times, the ways of God may even seem unfair to the uninitiated. If you don't know what God is like. So imagine the children of Israel. They're seeing the powerful hand of God. They're seeing amazing things. I mean God comes and visits them in Pharaoh's, the superpower of the day. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt who's like the superpower of the day. God sends Moses and he says to Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh is resisting him. And then he stretches out his hand on the now and it turns into blood. And all the waters turn into blood. And he stretches out his rod and different things are happening. And finally there's a judgment on Pharaoh's household. And Pharaoh lets them go. And then they, 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 they're seeing all these amazing works of God. And then they come to the Red Sea. The army of Pharaoh is coming against them. And then they said to Moses... Is it because there was not enough graves in Egypt that you have brought us here in this wilderness to die? What a curse. And Moses also is panicking. And then God says to Moses, why are you, why are you crying out to me? Why are you praying about this? Stretch your rod out to the sea and let it command it to open. Moses had the wisdom. And the, the children of Israel had their wisdom. The children of Israel knew, saw the ways of God. They saw, sorry, they saw the activity of God. God doing this, God blessing this, God giving them this breakthrough, God answering this prayer. But Moses knew the ways of God. How God does things. May you know the ways of God. You know why Moses knew the ways of God? Because he flourished in the courts of our God. And so he could declare 
that God was his rock and there was no unrighteousness in him. When you don't know what God is like and you face problems, you will blame God. So they cross the Red Sea now and for three days there's no food. There is no food. So they had enough of it. So they said to Moses, again, is it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us into this wilderness to die? And they said, I, we wish we could go back to Egypt so that we could eat onions and garlic. That's what happens when you lose perspective. You start desiring things that are totally stupid. Onions and garlic. And they, and they kept going on. And finally one day God said, you know, I've had enough for these people. Ten times, ten times, they keep complaining. I'm going to give them what they're asking for. Sometimes you better not have what you ask for. Because they kept saying, you brought our children here to die in this wilderness. You brought our children here to die. There was not enough graves. They kept using this insult. Is there not enough tombs in Egypt? Because they didn't know the ways of God. All they saw was his activity. But when you flourish in the courts of your God, when you're established in the house of God, you are able to declare, God is upright. He is my rock. He's the one I depend on. And there is no unrighteousness in him. Hallelujah. Being planted in the house of God implies that we are so established that it is extremely difficult to be uprooted from where we are in God and his kingdom. Now, until we are established like the palm tree and like the cedar in Lebanon, in God's house, we cannot flourish as these verses infer. I've been in church long enough. And I'm telling you, being in church for a long time is not enough. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be in church. Somebody will hear, you see, the pastor, even the pastor says, being in church, you don't have to come to church to flourish. That's awesome. That's what people say. You know, they'll take what I've said out of context. Even your pastor himself says, I don't have to come to church every week to do, be a good Christian. Have you heard that said? You know. But then you have to look at the evidence of that person's life. At times, after you've heard their words, look at their life and ask yourself, do I want what they've got? It's a wisdom. Do I want what they've got? Sometimes when people talk, when they are talking, be quiet and listen carefully. Watch them. What is all this about prayer? What is all this about the power of God? What, what? Just listen to them. How do they deal with challenges themselves? What is their life like? Would you like what they've got? Do you want what they're carrying? If you want what they're carrying, continue to listen to their counsel. So, so that, is, that is wisdom. You understand? Hallelujah. Just as it is difficult to uproot a cedar in Lebanon, when you and to, uh, to uproot, uh, when you, just as it's difficult to uproot a cedar in Lebanon, so it is for anybody who understands this dynamic of being planted in God's house and flourishing in his courts. The two are linked. In my journey, when I started out, my pastor would be preaching and I learned a secret very early to listen very carefully when my pastor was preaching or anybody was preaching. 
And I learned that God would often, often, often minister to me directly through the preaching and deal with my problems there and then in my seat. And so, because every week there's always some problem, you know, there's always some challenge, isn't it? Every week there's always some challenge. Every week there's always some burden to deal with. Isn't that right? Some weight, you know, as, as, a, as, a, as a pastor and working with all kinds of elders, sometimes around November time, it comes up, November time, people are tired. People are tired. In other words, too many programs, people are tired. You know, too many people are and, I, and, and after a while, after I kept hearing this, people are tired business. I said, people are always tired. That's normal. What, is, what, what, what are you trying to say? People are always tired. That's not the issue. The issue is how do you help people to become so established that they start to flourish in the audience of their God? I see you flourishing in Jesus' name. All right, so let's uh, kind of recap, or not so much recap, let's touch, touch on the benefits of being planted in the house of God. Uh, if I have time, I'll talk about how to be planted, but I don't want to. I want to re-emphasize some of the benefits. It is a blessing to be planted in God's house because of the benefits associated with it. For me, now again, I'm boasting here, but I'm boasting in the Lord. Going to Paul, he that boasts, let him boast in the Lord. I'm boasting in the Lord. For me, I've been a member of two churches. That's, I've, well, really three. Before I got saved, I was a Presbyterian. That's no disrespect to the Presbyterians. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. I'm not knocking Presbyterians. I was a Presbyterian. Then I got saved. After I got saved, I went to a church I didn't like. I'm just being honest. I was looking, you know what, I, I have some problem. I went to a church, I remember me and Roger, he, Roger invited me to this church. And I said to Roger, first of all, I didn't even want to go to church. I was one of those who don't, didn't, are you one of those Christians who don't, if you could not go to church every week, you wouldn't go? Who's like that? Hey, you don't want to admit it here. I, I was definitely one of them. I'm not sure if I'm no longer one of them, but I was definitely one of them. So, he said, no, I've heard of this church. So, I was like, oh, okay, then let's go. I didn't want to go, I'll be honest. So, I said, I'll only come if you go. Are you one of those who only come to church if your friend goes? Come and be honest, even after being in church five years, if you're coming, are you coming to church? So, so we, went to, we went to this church, but we went to the wrong church. We went to another church. Now, please forgive me if this sounds racial, it's not meant to, but I just, I'm a South Londoner, and I have to tell it as it is. So we went to this church, and there was a lot of white people, and it really looked nice. So we actually decided this is the church we like. We didn't want to go to any other church. So as we walked in, we, the person stood in front. White, proper person stood in front. Again, it's not to do with white people. This is how it was. They, were, they happened to be white. And they said, uh, what do you want? <laughs> hey, where's Rog? Do you remember? It's like God's, you know. And so, uh, is it a church? He said, what, what church are you looking for? Now, please, listen. If anybody ever visits our church and they, they come into, the, they thought they were coming to, let's say, Kingsway International, KICC or do you want, and they said, is this KICC? 
You say, no, but you are welcome. Come in. Don't say, no, KICC is over there. No, 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 no. Why, why send them across the river to Cham? Let them say, it's, it can, it's, it's far, but come in, come in. No, that's not what happened to her. So these, these white ladies, no disrespect to the white, I'm just p- pointing out something to you. They, they said, no, this is not the church you want. <laughs> and we were like, we were like, kind of like, can we come in? And they were like, what, the church you want is over there. And we kind of, they were like guarding the gate. I don't know. I think it was Roger. At the time he had hair. So I think that's, that's what it was. So they sent us away. So as we went, Roger said to me, I would have liked to have gone in. That's said, me too. Then we went to the church that I became a member of. As I walked in, oh no, a lot of black people. Same, the same group of people I'm trying to avoid. I'm just being honest. I'm just being honest, right? So I remember as we walked in, this is a bit strange. They were also not very dignified. They were all lifting their hands. And I felt this force, like I should also lift my hand. So I grabbed, I grabbed the thing. It was pews. I grabbed it. So I started going to this church that I didn't really like. I want you to understand something. I didn't like it. I didn't like that church. For several reasons. The main reason was there's a lot of black people. And I wanted to avoid you lot. Right? And then the pastor was also Irish. Black pastor. White Irish man. And then the people really liked Roger. And they really didn't like me. If you can ask him. So they would greet Roger like, hi Roger. Hi Roger. And then, hello. Hi Roger. And then they will complain to Roger. Now remember, we've just come to church, you know. They'll then complain to Roger about, what's wrong with your friend? What's wrong? And then Roger will come and give me an earful. I don't know if you remember that. You need to be nice. You should be smiling. It's like, I've come to church to worship. I didn't come to smile at anybody or greet. Uh, and, and as for where do you live, I didn't want any follow-up. I was one of them. But you know what? As I was in that church, and then... After Roger left, he left the church in the name of God told him to leave. Don't mind him. So he left and went to another church and left me there. So I was in this church for a while. And honestly, a lot of times, you see, like people don't, sometimes people don't greet you in church. You know, maybe you're happy and maybe you're not. Me, it was like normal. Nobody would greet me. I would sit there. Nobody would talk to me. Nobody would greet me. Nobody would follow up on me. Or anything like that. But as time went on, I began to grow in the church. When the pastor would speak, something would happen. When somebody would come and speak, something would happen. I began to grow. I began to grow. I began to grow. And it is through that church that my ministry was born. So all that you see today is rooted in that church that I did not want to go to. But I became established in that church. And in that church, I've never been to formal Bible school. But it was in that church that I got all my training. I went to every service by one Sunday morning. Every service, every midweek, every service. I went every, and not knowing as I was doing that, I was being rooted. I was being grounded. I was being established. I was being built up. So there is a wisdom in being able to connect 
to a local church, even if you don't like that church, if that's where God has called you to. There were many times I wanted to leave that church. Many times. I remember once when I went to Polytechnic, back, the, back in those days, they called it Polytechnic, the, the B-rate universities. They called them Polytechnics. So I went to a Polytechnic of Wales, now University of Wales, and I remember we went to a church. Now that church was awesome. It was a charismatic church. It had apostles, it had prophets, gifts of the spirit, all kinds of amazing things, people being healed. And I, and I wanted to be a member of that church. And there's a lot of white people as well. I know, I know. I'm just telling you. So I wanted to be a member. So the pastor one day spoke. And then he said, if you want to be a member, just stand. How easy that was. Not this class business. Just stand. And I wanted to stand. And the Spirit of God said, it is not for you. Oh, you know one of those times when you hear God and you don't want to hear he said, it is not for you. I was so disappointed. And so was the pastor. Because they, they were all looking. So, I had to stick with my Pentecostal, classical Pentecostal legalistic church. That, full of black people that I didn't want to be in. Hallelujah. Anyway, so the point, the point is, but that's where God had ordained for me to be. And you know what? I believe this strongly. You should allow God to place you in a church. And sometimes you find yourself in a church that you like, but that's not where God wants you. Other times you find yourself in a church that you don't like, or you've liked it for a while, and then you feel like it's time to get something new. How many of you have felt like you want something new after six months of CLF? Hallelujah. But I tell you what, there are benefits to being established in the church where God places you. There are benefits. Now, I know some of you are coming from different places, and that's great. And if God has brought you here, excellent. We're not telling you to go away, nothing like that. But I'm just pointing out to you, there is a tremendous benefit that comes when you are established and not moving from place to place. Here for two years, then you move on. Here for six months, then you move on. Here for three years, then you move on. And I see people who have done things like that and they have derailed themselves in terms of their destiny in God. May you be established so that over time you can bear fruit, can be fresh and flourishing. Hallelujah. So that's the benefit of being planted in God's house. You flourish in his courts and you enjoy the benefits that spring from being in his presence. Psalm 16 verse 11 says this. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence there is fullness of joy. It's talking about wherever God is at home, there is complete satisfaction. When you learn to be in the center of his will for your life and dwelling in his house is part of dwelling in his presence. Other benefits that come along being established in the house of God are these. One, you discover your spiritual family. You discover your spiritual family and that is the house of God God has joined you to. 
Verse 12 says, the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. In other words, because they are established in his house, they no longer are without a spiritual family. God joins them to a family so that they can be established. There are people who have been in our church for years, but they've never really ever embraced the church family as their own. They say, well, I go to CLF, but I'm not one of the, I'm not a typical CLF member. I don't know what that means. I'm not a typical CLF member. Me, I'm different. In my old church, we had those who said, I go to life tab, but I'm not a tabite. Me, I was a tabite. That's all I know. I was a tabite. I grew up there. I learned the life, the culture, and I have benefited as a result of that church. And that church had loads of issues. Is that why you left? The way you said the yes there. God joins us to family. Psalm 68 verse 6 says, God sets the solitary or the lonely in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. Our prosperity is linked to the family God joins us to. Yeah. It's not just talking about natural wealth. It's talking about spiritual prosperity that overflows in other areas of our lives. But your prosperity is linked to the family God joins you to and how you how you embrace that family affects how you prosper in the things of God. I've known people who've been in the Lord for many, many years. They go to a church, but they've never really invested their life in that church. They know a lot of Bible. They are very strong in many areas, but they're also exposed in other areas because they have not embraced fully the spiritual family God has joined them to. And one of the ways you can recognize your spiritual family, there are several ways. One, you recognize your spiritual family by the manifest presence you will notice in the word of God being ministered to you. In other words, every time you're there, it will be as if God is speaking to you. Speaking to you in, many, in the many different gatherings you attend. Whether it's the pastor or different ones ministering, it, it will be, if you listen, it's as if God is speaking to you. Because his presence is in the word. Another way in which you are able to discern, your spirit is at rest. In other words, you recognize where you belong. It does not mean things will be hunky-dory. It doesn't mean that. Scripture says, I was wounded in the house of my friends. But you know that this is the place I'm supposed to be. It doesn't mean you will like it. Like in, my, in my old church, honestly, I prayed, especially in the early days, when they were talking about church membership, I was very suspicious of the church because something didn't quite feel right. I have to be honest. Later on, I realized what they didn't feel right because some of our doctrines were wrong. So I, I, I would pray. And the Lord would say, no, this is the church. Now, I couldn't hear God well, but I knew enough to know that I couldn't leave. And trust me, I wanted to leave. Those of you who get the leave bug from time to time. I know that bug. I wanted to leave. The difference why I couldn't leave was because the Spirit wasn't letting me. Now, that was in my early days. After, after about three years, four years, all of that went. And I realized this is the family God has called me to be part of for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. <clears throat> so your spirit will be at rest because you know it's where you go to in your moments of crisis. That's one of the ways in which you can tell your rest. In your moments of crisis, 
Who do you go to? Who can you go to? Who would you like to go to? That's a clue. At times when things are doing well in your life, you feel like you don't need people. Then you face a crisis. And when you face a crisis, at times, those that you realize you need, they are your family. Another thing about your spiritual family is that you can trust the integrity of its leadership. Now, it doesn't mean the leaders are perfect. There's no such thing apart from the Lord Jesus. And even he had a rebellious member. Hallelujah. Bible says Moses was the meekest man on the earth. But 250 of his senior leaders decided they had enough of his leadership. The meekest man on the earth, 250 of his senior men, one day said, Moses, you take too much on yourself. You are not our king. Who do you think you are? You take too much on yourself. And the meekest man on the earth had enough. He said, you know what? That's it. Today, we're going to see who belongs to God. You bring your offering, I'll bring my offering, and let's see who God honors. And if the earth doesn't open up and kill you, swallow you up today, and send you to Hades life, you will see who's who. And unfortunately for them, it came true. <laughs> the man had enough. Sometimes leaders don't, don't provoke some of these people, you know. Because <laughs> it's like, ah, I'm doing everything for these people. And then the senior leaders, not even like, you see, I, I have no problem. I tell Aisha time and time again, I have no problem with young leaders or believers or immature leaders misbehaving, insulting me. I have no problem with it. Because I have senior, I mean, I have senior, senior leaders. I mean, I have leaders that report to me who are very senior. And even sometimes, bless their cotton socks. <laughs> and they are great men, my equal. But even sometimes, they get it wrong. So if they can get it wrong, I can allow some cell leader and some ministerial team member. I really can. It's not a big deal. But, you know, you have to be careful, you know. Sometimes you can rub the leader up the wrong way. Hey, you, pastor, you take too much on yourself. You take too much on yourself. And you say, you know what? Have it your way. Have it your way. So being a man of integrity, woman of integrity, does not mean they will have it all together. I'm just saying, <clears throat> don't wrap them up the wrong way. Also, another way you can tell your spiritual family is this. They empower you or you're, you're empowered in your faith to follow Jesus. You're empowered in your faith to follow Jesus. Another way you can tell your spiritual family is this. They help you to develop spiritually and relationally over time. Over time. Okay. Second thing about the benefits of God's house, kind of a follow-up on what I've already said, you discover meaningful relationships. So it was in my local church that I, have, I formed some of the Lasting friendships that I have till today. I've known Enoch since 1984. I've known Austin since 1984. I've known Pastor John since 1989. 1989. I've known 
A lot of these people, I knew them in the 80s, before you were thought of in your mother's womb, some of you. Meaningful relationships. And oh, by the way, it's where I found my wife. Hallelujah. If I had left when I wanted to, I wouldn't have found her. I'd probably still be single, searching. Yeah, be careful. <laughs> Sometimes. Anyway, let's move on. So, you discover meaningful relationships. Three, you enjoy spiritual protection. You enjoy spiritual protection, spiritual cover. Hebrews 13, 17, obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. Don't underestimate the role of spiritual cover in your life. Like I shared the other day, when people ask me to release them, what they are saying is, I can no longer be their pastor. It's one thing if a person is moving to another country and they say, Pastor, do I have to go there? Can you help me? But, can I, but I, I, still, I still see CLF as my family. And we release them. They're, they are still, they're still carried. They're still part of us, but they're no longer in our church, but they're still part of us. But when a person says, I want you to release me from here, then they are saying they no longer want our spiritual cover. That's what they're saying. Release me from here because you see that church over there. That's where I want to go now. That's fine. We still love you. But you can't say you're going to a church over there. Release me from here to go over there. But you know that I still am here. No, you're not. You're over there now. You're not here. You're over there. And we love you and we bless you and you're welcome to visit and all of that. But you're over there. Now, if you're there, stay there. Hallelujah. You didn't like that. Some of you didn't like that. But it's the truth. Fourth point is this. The benefits about being part of God's house is you learn about the things of God. <laughs> what did I say? Sometimes you wonder what people are learning about in church. Property portfolio. Marriage. Now, we do marriage seminars. We do these things. Property, marriage, business, business, business. Money, money, money. One day I was leading a prayer meeting online. I said, let's pray for revival. And it went something like this. Oh, oh, revival. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then I said, okay. Now let's pray for financial breakthrough and business breakthrough. Hey! Breakthrough, finance, money, money. So I said to them, hey, you people, revival, money, yeah! Let's stop there. We're going to pray. Hallelujah. So I'm encouraging you to be planted in God's house. Amen? Perhaps of late you've been shaking a bit. Those of you online listening to me, those of you here, and as we're sharing, you're reorienting yourself. I want to pray over you. If that's you and you're reorienting, why don't you stand right now? I want to pray that God will bless you in your resolve to be planted in his house, to be established in his courts. If that's you, stand where you are. It's not all of us, but there might be some of us who, you know, we have been a bit wobbly or whatever's been going on, and we, the enemy's been trying to pull us out. But if that's you, stand. 
want to pray. As you stand, just raise your hands. Those of you online, you can also read, commit yourself, dedicate yourself in this way. As you stand, raise your hands. Father, thank you for these precious ones that are standing. We speak your life. We speak your blessing. We speak your strength over them. Lord, as they are resolved to be planted in your house, give grace to them in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You may take your seats. Thank